Denver and uh, yeah. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, what we have is Rachel Sherwood, who's uh, CEO and co-founder of Loxley Systems, and Steve Sherwood, who's president and co-founder of Loxley Systems. So it looks like I got the two co-founders here, or else it would be a tri-founder, and that's that's not happening. So <laughs> that's not us. Co-founders. And so, um, it's a Saturday morning yep. because you have um, busy schedules and I couldn't get you during the week because you're just too busy. And um, so, so I appreciate you taking out your Saturday morning with me with a, a little bit of coffee and and a little bit of cereal and uh, talking about extraction. Or in this case, we're really talking about separation. And so to start everything off... Um, I don't know if everyone knows about uh, Loxley Systems, but I thought I would give uh, Rachel uh, a, a chance to explain what Loxley Systems over in the big picture, and then we can get down to some of the more um, esoteric details. Nitty gritty, yeah. Well, thanks for having us, John. We're very excited to, to be a part of this, even on a, on a Saturday morning. It's a good way to start a Saturday. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, Loxley Systems, I'm sure a lot of people haven't heard about Loxley Systems. We're pretty new uh, to the market, but not new in terms of uh, product. So we actually founded way back in uh, early 2017 um, with the mission of creating a solventless, safe, clean, and limitlessly scalable uh, separation tech for cannabis and terpenes. Uh, to try and move the industry away from solvent extraction and from tedious downstream processing. Um, so when we started in 2017, uh, we had many iterations of designs mm -hmm. and ideas that we moved through. And after four years and a couple million dollars of research and development time and money, uh, we now have a full fleet of systems. So we have uh, five series ranging all the way from 10 pounds a batch to 50,000 pounds per day continuously and anything you want in between. Um, so now that we're, we're finally with our full fleet of products, we're, uh, we're hitting the market for the first time. Yeah, I think the ultimate goal of our system was to develop a process that would give you a distillate quality cannabinoid oil out in clean terpenes without any requirements for further upgrading. So it's essentially a one-step process to get both those products. Well, it seems like a, a pretty simple thing to do. I don't know why it took you so long. <laughs> <laughs> we were like, if this was easy, someone probably would have done it by now. <laughs> right? And that would have covered a couple of the patents too. It would have saved you a little writing time and, and lawyer fees. True. Yeah. True. Yeah. Yes. The filing of the patents took a couple so, of years. 
getting through all this process and, and starting that far off. And um, my last person on, on the uh, on the podcast was a uh, University of Colorado Boulder graduate. And I can tell from LinkedIn that you're also a Boulder graduate. So it must be some sort of uh, phenomenon. And uh, all the tech. So is Steve. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. We're both alums. <laughs> yeah. That and Colorado School of Mines. Oh, Colorado School of Mines. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, that's, yeah, that's a, that's an, another whole dip, ball of wax that you don't, I don't usually talk to those people. It's, it's not my, not my bailiwick. So if I, if I, if I look at that, where did you, uh, what happened after you left Boulder, Rachel? I don't, I don't know what happened to you, Steve. I'll get to that in a bit, but Rachel, where'd you, where'd you end up? Uh, so I actually went uh, to New York, East Coast after I graduated. Uh, lived in New York City for a few years and worked for a biotech startup out there, uh, which was a great startup education. Um, it was also in a, bringing a new tech to the space. So um, it was a lot of fun. We worked on stem cell collection, stem cell generation, and application therapies, essentially. And I worked in the marketing and sales area there. Um, and then one day, Steve uh, called me up and said I needed to turn on CNN and watch a documentary that was running about the, the very new at the time cannabis industry um, in Breckenridge, Colorado, which was really near and dear to our hearts. Our family cabin has been there for over 50 years. Uh, and so we just recognized all the spots in the documentary. We thought it was really fascinating. Um, and he called me up after we watched it and said, there's just got to be a better way to do this. <laughs> yeah, they had a, a section on uh, extraction with um, CO2. And I didn't even know you could extract oils from the plant. I, I have, I'm familiar with mineral extraction and solvent extraction to recover minerals and some gold and things like that. But I, I never worked with, with the botanicals before. So I started looking into it and uh, try to get more information on the CO2 extraction, supercritical, things like that. So I, I built my own little CO2 reactor from swage lock parts and tubing and was able to generate some oil. And after that, I said, Rachel, we got to start thinking about maybe doing this a better way. Because I did a little bit of work with ethanol extraction, saw the problems with that, and said, there's got to be a simple way to recover these oils without going through a solvent. And uh, we, the first thing we did was built a continuous rosin press, which turned <laughs> out to be a miserable failure. It did not work. But and, there are 10,000 ways to not make an extraction system we've discovered. So. But, we came up with a um, separation technology that we thought would work, located a facility, a marijuana manufacturing facility in Boulder that allowed us to set up in their facility so we could actually test the system out. And the first products we made were, were just burnt and really were not usable. And these people were really hard on us to make something that could be used in a vape pen directly from our system. It took about nine to 10 months. We finally we're able to do that on a bench scale. The, the, we made a beautiful product. Uh, Smokeable, dabbable, right. edible, right out of a right out of the system. So the next thing you do is try to scale this up from a uh, couple hundred grams an hour to hundred pounds a day. And we built a beta system. Did the similar technology. Uh, it wasn't optimized for this, but we were able to get product out. It wasn't the best product, but we were able to get something out. From that point. We had a gentleman, uh, a farmer that had a that needed a fifty thousand pound per day 
extraction facility and he wanted us to do it for him. So in engineering, you don't go from laptop to 50,000 pounds per day. <laughs> no. And we didn't have the manufacturing capabilities to make something like this anyway. So we located a manufacturer of agriculture and uh, pharmaceutical processes in Minnesota, BPEX International. And they helped us run some uh, pilot studies and actually designed some equipment using off-the-shelf modifications to meet our needs as far as process conditions and actually were able to do it. So uh, mm. now we have a robust manufacturer behind us that will provide a performance guarantee. These people have been around for hundred years. Their agriculture equipment is, is, is robust, rarely goes down and uh, all our processes are based on these simple unit operations. Yep. yep. When, you, when you look at that process and that history, it, it, it is um, interesting because it's, it's going from the technology side and looking at other, you know, fuels or, or a diesel fuel or whatever that you're, you're looking at that process and then saying, okay, what are the, what are the commonalities and, and then how do they fit together? And even the CO2, um, you know, cannabis is just another botanical plant. The, the, yeah. the CO2 instrument does not know what you're putting in it. It's not, right. you know, just going, oh my goodness, I, I need to change myself. But at the same no. time, <laughs> being able to, to look at the characteristics of what you wanted it to, to do, and then it turns out that it moves into a product. So when you, um, when you talk about scaling from the small to the large, I mean, that's, that's not an easy thing to do. I look at the three S's. I, I look at, uh, speed, scale, and selectivity. And so on that side, you're being selective based on what you want. And your speed is, is it's a fluffy word as well as scale. <laughs> so when I'm, when I'm looking at that, something happens from the time the plant goes in. I, I know this has got to be true. From the time the plant goes in until you get the three types of oil on the back side, there's no magic and there's no little man or woman in there or a little Oompa Loompa doing anything. So it's, <laughs> can you explain a little bit what the Oompa Loompas are doing? Absolutely. It is uh, the laws of thermodynamics. <laughs> I would say we're for a couple of years in there, we were like, are we playing within the laws of thermodynamics within the laws of the physical universe? And yes, we, we were, so we were able to do We were this. at the wrong end. We were at the wrong end. We had to switch the We end. had to go to the opposite <laughs> side, but the laws of thermodynamics still govern what you're doing. We govern what you're doing. But we, the, the process equipment that we're using now is outside the regime of what most manufacturers be building, especially for a, a continuous process type operation. But uh, we're able to do it. And uh, it was difficult to get there. And most people would have turned away a long time before we did, mainly <laughs> because of what we were trying to do. It was hard because I think you're right. Like if, if, when you look at the system, when you look at a demo or a, you know, our bench talk model, it really is as simple as you're going to put in green feed, green plant material on one side. And that plant material can be fresh. It can be frozen. It could be dried. Um, it can be pelletized and then crumbled. It, it can be really anything. We'll, we'll take whatever you give us. Um, I actually mentioned this to someone the other day that uh, I don't, my system doesn't care if you have sticks and seeds in it. 
<laughs> right? Yeah. It might change the color of your oil a bit, but I'm not going to extract sugars, right? I'm not going to extract um, a whole bunch of problematic components because we're highly selective for what we're looking for here. Back so, to you. Oh, sorry, one thing. so you, yeah. have a, you have a few fractions that come off the system, like you're mentioning, there's three. So the first fraction you're going to get on our system is your monoterpenes, your really nice smelling ones. Um, those come off at a really low temperature in our system, and we do it fast, under 10 minutes, five minutes actually in continuous systems, but 10 minutes in batch. The next fraction you're going to get off is your higher boiling point terpenes, your sesquiterpenes, and then your cannabinoid fraction. In that cannabinoid fraction that we pull off our system, it's over 90% primary cannabinoid content and well over 93% total cannabinoid content because we've already removed the terpenes. So you don't have your waxes, um, you don't have chlorophyll or sugars. It's truly a distillate product straight out. Back to your triangle with speech selectivity. I love your triangle. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> and and um, scalability. Uh, I think we're kind of in the middle of that. We, the speed is about 90 minutes from feed to output. Selectivity, we can get the terpenes, we can get the cannabinoids out. And speed Scale. or, or uh, scalability, well, we can go from a couple hundred pounds a day less up to 50,000 pounds a day. The whole process chemistry is still the same, no matter what you select there within that regime. Exactly. So you're sort of playing with the uh, Gibbs free energy but as you, you know, let's, let's free Gibbs. So when I go back through the, um, the process, so I, I think of it, when I hear about it, I, I think, I think it's like a, a GC gas chromatography analogy. Mm -hmm. And so on the gas chromatography, you use columns that are filled with something called carbowax. And that's because they're long chain hydrocarbons, which would be like a wax. And when you run a GC, you, you run a temperature gradient to be able to have the material that goes on and have it selectively come off based on its volatility. Right. It has, yes. it has to be, a, it has to come out as a gas. And that's why it's called gas chromatography. So and you then, need a sweeping gas with that. Yes. You need a sweeping gas with that. So when you go back through, and you look at this analogy, it seems like that's why you're not getting any of the waxes because the same way that a GC column keeps its ligands on, this does the same thing. And I think you're frozen. Without, without the carbowax, essentially. Yes. So you're, you're like, like an, a supercritical fluid extraction being like supercritical fluid chromatography, where your, your um, stationary phase is your sample. Right. Yes, so, so we're, we're able to really hone in on what we want and not extract yeah. cats and dogs, as we would call it. <laughs> so one of the, one of the challenges I, I hear, and that is the cost of manufacturing. And most people aren't taking in the right calculation for the cost of manufacturing, nor are they using the right numbers. So they believe that when a product is, is put into a, a sample that you have 20% total cannabinoids and you're gonna get out but that amount of, of material. Well, that's not gonna happen. And the second part is, where is the cost of manufacturing? The cost of manufacturing is all the way back from the time the plant comes in, what you have to do for pre-processing then you process and then you post-process 
and that's a that's a cycle that that to me is speed the speed is from the time you come in to the time you go out and so within that process people don't typically take into account the de-waxing part of this yeah. equation because you have to put it into ethanol whatever phase it's in whether it's 60 percent with the waxes and then you have to put it into the freezer and then it magic happens the fat falls out just like the turkey fat falls out when you put it into the to the uh, freezer the night after thanksgiving and then what happens is now you you um you you take that precipitate and and then you left with the with the ethanol plus the cannabinoids with whatever mixture it is and then you get rid of that so you're heating and you're cooling and you're heating and you're cooling and you're and you're using a lot of solvent and so it seems like that most of the time that people don't realize that during the ethanol process that they're taking off the carbons that are C21 right and above right and on your side are you measuring anything that looks at C21 and, and below are you looking right. at those long chains also I have a GCMS available and, and the initial part of the work was looking at not just the cannabinoids but all the other waxes and things like that associated with it chlorophyll things like this and what we would see is uh, the C16 C18 uh, waxes or molecular weight uh, uh, hydrocarbons coming off but anything greater than 20 we didn't see it and my GC can detect up to C30s so yes. my focus on trying to re reduce that C16 to C18 hydrocarbons as best as possible. And we were able to control that by looking at the temperature that we're operating at. So that, that's what most people don't see is they, is they don't see the de-waxing because the C16, C18 has the same solubility as the cannabinoids. So they are, right. they are not, not ba on, based on that separation technology of precipitation it's not going right. to happen because there's no differentiation but but you're seeing a differentiation right we right. are we've been able to reach operating conditions mainly lower temperatures to a point yeah. now that we're not pulling c16 or c18 that's impressive because that's because <laughs> that's with a, a solventless system so as you're looking at that process the ability to use it in a laboratory for sample prep, because I'm assuming that not every cannabinoid um, variety is, is, is the same. Are you running the exact same conditions for every type of variety? No, no, but we don't have a wide variety of, of operating SOPs necessarily. So it's really based on the primary cannabinoid. If the primary cannabinoid is CBD, you'll have a series of operating conditions for that primary cannabinoid okay. versus THC, right, which would be different. But those are really the two differentiators in terms of process conditions. Aside from that, right. if you're operating within them both, um, you're going to pull your, your full cannabinoid profile in near equal ratio to what's present in the plant. So, um, so that's an interesting point along the way. So as people go back through and they're wanting to know more about your system and such, where would they, where would they find you? I mean, it's hard enough for me to find you guys along the way, but, uh, <laughs> but I, but I do have you on a Saturday morning. So I know that the other five days, you've got to be somewhere. We're, we exist somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, the best place to find us is uh, either our site, which is goloxley.com 
or on LinkedIn. Uh, if you go to Loxley Systems on LinkedIn, you can find direct access to Steve and me, and we're happy to answer any questions. So I'll go back to to um, to Steve, uh, just because he's you know sitting there and done a lot of the engineering. So how did you get in? How did you get into this, and how did you figure out a solution? I mean, because you're not you're not a cannabis guy. No, I'm not. I, I, I got a background in chemistry and chemical engineering. Uh, spent some work. I initially got out of college. I worked for a water treatment company, and then I worked for a company in in uh, Golden, Colorado, doing environmental remediation of soils, waters, things like that. And I started to play around a little bit with synthetic fuels. And I actually came up with a way to convert methane, methane into highly branched gasoline fractions, so a high octane uh. gasoline using light and water as a catalyst. And spent a couple of years on that, got a patent on that, and became more and more interested in synthetic fuels and hooked up with a uh, bio remediate or bio uh, fuel company that takes trash, municipal trash, and wood pellets and wood chips and things like that and converts it into electricity, like making something called producer gas, which is carbon monoxide and hydrogen and a little bit of nitrogen in it, and they burn that in an engine to make electricity. Well, I, I uh, figured out a way to take that carbon monoxide and hydrogen and make diesel fuel, aviation fuel, and waxes out of that using something called Fischer-Tropes, which was developed in World War II. And it's been used in the petroleum industry for years. Uh, Sassol does it. The problem is that you had to use a really expensive catalyst, a cobalt catalyst to do something like that. And I was able to find a cheap resource, uh, actually sand from New Zealand, that uses a catalyst to convert these gases into diesel fuel, aviation fuel, and waxes. So I had to play around with both gaseous chemistry, uh, catalytic chemistry, distillations, vacuum distillations of your product. So I got a whole range of chemical engineering operations that I got to deal with. And uh, started looking at the cannabis industry and I said, well, maybe I can apply some of what I know in the background into this. So I looked at vacuums, uh, looking at pressures, flow rates, how, how to optimize everything so you can get the product out that you want. So having the, um, was it New Zealand beach? Yeah. Sounds like a son of a beach uh, type of project. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> the best there part was him flying there to, to get the sand. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So I, so it does go back through and then, and then going through scientific principles and then I mean, it's possible you would have never come up with a solution, but it's, but it looks like right. you have come up with one. Uh, for a while, we thought we were banging our heads against the wall for a couple of years there. Yeah. We just couldn't get the breakthrough that we needed. The product really wasn't as nice as we'd, it needed to be. It had to be comparable with what you got off a, a short path distillation. And that's really what we wanted. We could never get it until a couple of years ago. Yep. So the, the interesting part to me from uh, you know talking earlier in the week and that is having built the, the very large systems and building them larger and larger because that was the biggest process. And then one day the, the lightning struck you or, or economy struck you or something struck you. And then last time I saw you guys was at MJ Biz with that great uh, uh, virtual reality um, I, I am the molecule inside the instrument. And then, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and then, and then what happened? Yeah, we, uh, we went to MJ BizCon, really kind of debuted there, uh, at scale for the first time. And 
realized that the marijuana industry was not needing anything close to the scale that we were offering. Uh, we came in with something around 750 to 1,000 pounds a day, and uh, that was off the charts, uh, larger than what anybody needed. Um, and, and when we looked into the economics of the industry, it made sense. Even though you have these huge multi-state operators, more consolidation in the industry, the regulations prevent you from doing what most industries in manufacturing do, which is consolidate your operations, right, to lower overhead. So rather than having large single processing houses like you would have in most other industries, they're dividing it up between 12 states. So they don't need a facility that does 2,500 pounds every day. They need 10 of them that do 200. Uh, so we went back to our manufacturing partner. We launched some trials and now we have a whole new series called the LJ series. Um, we can go as low as 10 pounds per batch and up to about 50 pounds a batch. Um, and they're coming in lower than most of the equipment costs on other solvent-based tech. Um, but I think the most important thing about this, this model, this uh, LJ series, is that uh, we eliminated the, sorry, the pre and the post process. So you don't need anything other than a Loxley. No pre, no post. So it, it does... Um bring me right now because i was thinking what does lj mean then i thought loxley and so lj means little john oh yeah it does it's the little johns <laughs> wow that's pretty funny so <laughs> so that brings me to the to the part of how did you come up with loxley that there's no there's no loxley in your family is there and and it has nothing to do with with bagels and cream cheese and <laughs> so where does loxley come from now that i've already broken part of it with the little John. Where does Loxley come from? Well, our last name is Sherwood. So we had to do something Sherwood foresty. So uh, we went to the Robin Hood story. Yeah. Uh, and Robin is Robin of Loxley before he was uh, sort of the, the what the hooligan, the hooded figure. Yeah. Uh, later, he was Robin of Loxley. So we're Loxley Systems, and our five series are the Little Johns, Robins, Marions, Tucks, the Prince, and the King series. If I can. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So we uh, we got the full cast of characters here. Oh, well, the King series. I'm I'm a little anxious about that one. I mean, does I mean, do you steal from the King and, and give to the <laughs> <laughs> steal from ourselves? <laughs> yeah, you steal from yourselves and such. So. I'm making sure that we have some some time. I know that you you only have a certain amount of time and such. So, so even within that process, and being able to to look at a demo, some of the things that you would that were interesting to me was that you set up a smaller system so that you can actually do lab scale experiments. I, and of course, I'm a geeky guy, so I and I realize I don't have twenty five thousand pounds of of cannabis to throw in an instrument and say, gee, I wonder what happens. So tell me a little bit about your, 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 uh, your bench top system. Yeah, it's actually a pretty new contraption just in the last couple of months. We realized that even carting around the Little John series, um, you know, those things are several hundred pounds. So it wasn't really feasible for us to move something that fit in like a suitcase or a briefcase to multiple different like marijuana manufacturers and bring it on site so we could actually process marijuana in front of them. Yes. So we set up a uh, an entirely glass uh, rig that meets all of our conditions. So you can see every single thing happening that would happen inside the system. You can watch the oil come off, watch it be collected. Um, and it allows a 
a demo participant to really see what's happening rather than saying like, here's our very large piece of steel and you'll get some oil out on the other end. Yeah. That sounds good. So I'll, I'll, I'll wrap it up for you all and stuff. And thank you so much for taking your Saturday morning and uh, participating. So I will make sure that people get the information, but uh, maybe uh, tell us one more time how to, how to get a hold of y'all. Uh, yeah. Good. So Definitely, tell me yeah. how to do that. You can uh, go online to www.goloxley.com uh, or give us a phone call at 720-509-9707. That's the easiest way to get a hold of us. Um, the form on our site goes uh, directly to my email now, so I will respond to you within the day. <laughs> Any questions Sounds you have. Great. Thank you so much for your time. Take Thanks, care. Have a, have a great Thank weekend. You so much, uh, John. Go Broncos. <laughs> <laughs> Tis the season? Not yet. <laughs> Tis the season. Have a new time with a new quarterback. Enjoy yourself. Doesn't oh, he have to, yeah. he has to he has to throw it to somebody? Some somehow. Somehow. All right. Cheers. <laughs> Take care. Bye. Thanks, John. Soon, Take John. care. Thank you. listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.